a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello and welcome to the British TV podcast, show number 95. I'm Ryan in Seattle. I'm Chrissy in Seattle. And this week's show, we have news, what's on British TV this week, shows running in the United States, DVD releases, but first, a special feature about Downton Abbey. Hmm, never heard of that. Oh, yes, you Tell have. me all about it, Ryan. Oh, you watched it when it was on, didn't you? No. Oh, you haven't seen I it? I haven't seen it. I've seen the parody. Oh, gosh, you, you faker you. Well, we just got back from a dog and pony show. That's probably another way of describing it. Uh, meet the actors, basically. That was held by our local PBS station, KCTS, occasionally employ Chrissy there so she was able to get us in. We got to meet some of the actors from Downton Abbey and the producer of Masterpiece, Rebecca Eaton, and they showed us clips and they answered some questions and then they did an autograph session which we didn't stick around for. But we got some nice little tidbits here. Uh, They asked us not to show any videotape that we recorded there but I didn't have a video camera with me anyway and this is a podcast so who cares? We can act it out. As long as we do it silently so that they can't see what we're doing. Yeah, some sort of mime theater. So for all those who are waiting for our feature on Stephen Moyer, that'll be next week. We got to see Elizabeth McGovern, who plays Cora, you know, Countess Grantham, and Dan Stevens, nice clean-cut guy. And you said Mm -hmm. his hair... He had the Carrie Elwes hairdo, yes. And uh, he plays Matthew Crawley, who finds out that he is now going to inherit... Downton Abbey, and Michelle Dockery, who plays Lady Mary Crawley, the eldest daughter, who there's a romantic frisson between them in the first season, mm-hmm. which kind of unfortunately kind of peters out. Uh, oh. Well, she kind of drags her feet a little too long, and he finally decides, you know, if you're not going to jump, I'm going to go on to something else. And then we obviously saw some footage about the second season, which we'll talk about, that shows that he has kind of moved on, I think. And then uh, Rebecca Eaton, who has been producing Masterpiece... Well, they combined this all big omnibus now because it used to be Mystery and there used to be Masterpiece Theater. Now it's just Masterpiece and there's Masterpiece Classics, and but it's all that. Masterpiece David Tennant, yes. Yes, with uh, Laura Lindley and Alan Cumming and the rotating guests and all this. And she's been doing that for 25 years. And I guess she gets to hang around a little bit when they're in production because she seemed to have some war stories of things that were going on in England. So I guess she goes overseas quite a bit to oversee how her money's being spent. Another lucky lady there. She probably has the world's greatest job because I have to imagine that PBS has a pretty good war chest and they get to decide what gets made and what does not. She did actually mention Zen, which of course just finished running on Mystery. She said, boy, we would love to make more, but the BBC decided they wanted to make something else instead. Because of course they knew Director General of the BBC decided to axe that along with other things. So I guess she doesn't have absolute control of stuff. But Nope. But when she decides to put money into something, that, that sort of makes it happen. And she was certainly crowing about the fact that the ratings on Masterpiece have gone, what, up 50% in the last year? Yes, with one million viewers streaming it through the internets instead of watching it on television. So she was yeah, she said something happy like about that, too. 13 million viewers for Downton mm-hmm. Abbey, which is pretty great for uh, public television. That, of course, was their big hit. And they've just come back from the... Television Critics Association confab down in Los Angeles where all the TV shows and showrunners are down there trying to impress the uh, nation's critics who then go out and uh, disseminate this information throughout the country. I know Stephen Moffat's down there right now pimping for Doctor Who and Sherlock. And uh, Rebecca Eaton was down there as well. 
um, answering questions about, oh, does it true you actually cut stuff out of Downton Abbey? They only cut tiny little things, mostly about the entail. She seemed to find the whole entail thing in Downton Abbey a real hoot. Like, only Julian Fellows understands this. Nobody in the production did. I got it. It was a it was a clause in the inheritance thing. It's pretty obvious, I think. I, I know not of what you speak, but that's ah, all right. Okay. I'd assume they'd be going to other PBS stations in the country, although the Channel 9 here in Seattle is a very big public television station, big kahuna, I guess you would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, it's pretty big. It's a, it's up there. I mean, it's not WGBH, no. but... but no one's uh, them, but them. But not so much as a producer of TV, but, you know, a lot of revenue here and big support. And the uh, who who do we see, the first guy presenting things? The president, who I haven't met yet. Oh, do you remember his name? Moss. Moss. Definitely was touting the fact that, you know, we get an awful lot of support here and uh, well-funded and all the various shows they're doing and, you know, keeping children's programming up. I mean, just the usual PBS, uh, you know, aren't we great? Which, hey, you know... I'm a big fan of PBS. I've said so many times on this podcast because where else are you going to get great British shows uncut and without commercials? Support your PBS station. There's our, our free plug for this. They began by showing a retrospective of the last 40 years of Masterpiece, which someone had slopped together. I noticed some of the clips were very bad VHS copies. They were, like they went to YouTube or something and got them. Not quite YouTube, but someone... Which, which, by the way, when my clip on Eddie is art on Politically Incorrect Challenging Christine O'Donnell went viral, they showed my, the YouTube footage I'd put up there on CNN and whatever, everybody else that was running it. They didn't source out the original tape from Bill Maher. He just played what I jammed up on YouTube. So <clears throat> it was kind of funny, but... Yeah, I don't know what the fair use of that is. That's uh, that's a good question. Not that they're infringing on your rights, but the fact that you can... I don't know if news organizations can just suck anything they want off YouTube, and as long as they attribute, they can use it. I mean, I'd... It was just interesting, because, you know, you'd think they would try to get the original and make it look nicer, but they were in a hurry, so they just downloaded... I think Bill wanted money. Might well have, yeah. Probably. He was crowing over the fact that he had all these tapes of Christine O'Donnell back in the day. That was a quite amusing time. Yep. They had this uh, old little five-minute uh, thing showing, you know, clips from all the masterpiece greats, uh, I, Claudius, and little bits of Alistair Cook, even up with, you know, having bits of Sherlock and Downton Abbey in there. And that was a nice little retrospective. And then a rather humorous, I'd almost ought to call it a music video, with Petula Clark's Downtown, mm-hmm. and then showing lots of clips from the first season of Downton Abbey, which I'm pretty sure Harry Hill did as a gag, too. Yeah, it was cute. Yes. And then uh, the guests came out and sat down there, and then they showed us a kind of a, a teaser trailer of sorts for the second season, and then some whole scenes from the second season. Oh, we got a kitchen scene. We got a uh, uh, infamous dinner scene. Definitely revealed some of the things that were going on, and I'm not sure how much uh, things are supposed to be secrets or not. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to ask them if I'd gotten a chance was if, if they'd seen the Jennifer Saunders Downton Abbey parody that was on Red Nose Day, um, which is my overriding gag of that was the fact of the fake stairs because yes. the kitchens are all done in the studios, whereas everything else is done actually on location. Well, fake, fake stairs are always a good gag, no matter who does them. <laughs> yes, indeed. If I can find that uh, clip on YouTube, I'll do a link to it because it's a very amusing uh, parody. Well, another thing Rebecca Eaton announced was that they're going to be doing a prequel series to Morse, mm-hmm. which I like to call Morse Jr. <laughs> but in fact, it's going to be called Endeavor, because apparently, little known fact, Inspector Morse's first name was Endeavor. 
Which was revealed in the last episode, apparently. But Yes. Yeah. The big news was the fact that on Wednesday, so too late for this podcast, they will announce the actor who's going to be in it. And apparently the actress from Downton Abbey know who he is. She told them. And they're like, oh, yes, we know him. But she wouldn't bother to tell us. So yeah. no scoops here, unfortunately. So Series 2 of Downton Abbey will be set in 1916, which, of course, is in the middle of World War One, And it will see... Matthew Crawley serving at the front, and so there will be trench scenes. Mm -hmm. And then inexplicably, well, not inexplicably, but just rather strangely, because France is not that far from England, he would be called back, and he's in the trench, and three days later he's back wearing a nice dress uniform, having dinner at Downton Abbey. We're allowed to reveal that, are we? Well, yeah. I mean, it's during the war. It's out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course, uh, there's even had a scene with uh, uh, Mary saying, you know, what's, what's it like there? And he says, I... I really can't talk about it because, of course, we know how bad right. World War One was. I mean, that book with Ben Elton. Delouse himself every time when he came off the front, just to. Well, I get suspect on back. officers had it slightly better than the enlisted men, and he well, is an officer. There is a mention of that in Ben Elton's book, uh, the first casualty, that they have, you know, a slightly, slightly more clean, but still a horrible, terrible place to use the bathroom, and if when they're on the train, which takes three days to get to France, the officers have some chairs, whereas the enlisted men have to sit on the floor where there's been horses previously and somebody's just covered up their, their dung with straw. I mean, it's just horrific, but yeah, just a little bit better, but not really the lap of luxury by any means. So yeah, when the actress came out, it was rather amusing to see Michelle and Dan dressed in blue jeans. Mm-hmm. And not that I expected them to come out in period costumes, but it's like, oh, they could just, you know, stepped off the bus there. And then Elizabeth McGovern in her white sneakers. Yes, I noticed that too. Adapting her David Tennant look, because she was wearing a nice, very nice pantsuit. And then white sneakers. Yep. Is that actually fashionable? No. <laughs> Sorry, Liz. That was, that was the mom look. <laughs> she did mention being a mother. and. Well, yes. They talked about how much like their characters they were. In other words, how much research did they have to do in order to play these characters? And Elizabeth McGovern said, well, I've been married to a Brit. I moved to England. My two daughters are as English as you can be. So I can kind of relate to this character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was sort of nice. And her husband apparently has uh, directed quite a few masterpiece productions. Cranford. And uh, David Copperfield. Right. Yes, he apparently discovered Daniel Radcliffe. Because Daniel Radcliffe's debut would have been in David Copperfield, mm-hmm. which was directed by Elizabeth McGovern's husband. See how it all connects together? Amazing. Michelle Dockery is uh, actually from Essex. Yeah. She's learned how to speak with her proper posh accent. She went to the, what, the Guild Hall. Yeah, I had thought she was a RADA student, but she was talking about the Guild Hall or performing school or something like that. I know that her first, her very first um, filmed or television project was Hogfather. And she had the lead in that and was most excellent, getting menaced by Mark Warren and as Death's granddaughter, Susan. Anyway, they asked her to demonstrate a little bit of her Essex accent, and she obliged a few words there. You have to understand there is a reality show right now called The Only Way is Essex. And I think you could describe Essex as kind of the British New Jersey. Yeah. Essex girls, you know, they have the... Yeah. Before there were chavs, there were Essex girls kind of thing. <laughs> Something like that. And her favorite movie of Michelle Dockery's is Sleepless in Seattle. And she got off a plane today and she spotted this 
place at SeaTac Airport where they shot the scene with Meg Ryan mm-hmm. and Tom Hanks, and she was so excited. She said, take a picture of me here. Take a picture of me here. And uh, she wanted to go check out the houseboat where the movie was filmed, which yep. was just literally up the street from where we were. I mean, it'd take them a five-minute drive to go over there, so maybe she'll get to see that and live the dream finally. We certainly laid on a nice enough day for her here. Yes. They're all going to want to move to Seattle. They're going to just think that's just so lovely here. They better better retire to Seattle. Yeah, Dan Stevens mentioned that he'd spent four months shooting a movie in Detroit, and I'll have to look it up on the internet to see what it was he was making. So he was here when Downton Abbey premiered last year in Britain. And so he's thousands of miles away, and he gets some emails and texts, people saying, oh, it's really good, we really like it. But he has no idea, you know, is it really popular or not, because it's not playing here. Uh, and he got in an airplane, uh, the shoot was over, he went back to England, and episode four had just finished running, and he's in the airport, and people are, he's getting off the plane, and he's like, oh, we love you in Downton Abbey, we put it on our TiVo, it's great, it's awesome. And he's like, oh, I guess the show really is popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, four months in Detroit, hmm. And Michelle Dockery said in New York she heard, overheard people talking about it as she was just sitting by herself eating lunch. So Yeah, the, the last episode was showing mm-hmm. over that here. That's pretty exciting for her. Yeah, so, you know, because often actors do kind of work in a vacuum where, you know, you shoot something and it doesn't come out for a year or something like that and you've moved on to something else and then it, it sort of comes out and you're like, oh, yes, and then people say, oh, I really liked doing that. It was really great. And I'm sure that Downton Abbey is a career changer for all of them since it's probably going to run and run and run and run. I think I saw people saying, you know, why can't they do six seasons and get it all the way up to the 1930s or something? Uh, I'm sure there's no stopping them now. Yeah, they mentioned that the only person who's really posh is the actress who plays Gwen, Rose Leslie. She was in Case Histories, and uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I guess apparently uh, they did the read-through, and she had this perfect Yorkshire accent. And then uh, as soon as they finished, she started talking, and they kind of talked in that sort of... Incredibly don't-move-your-teeth sort of posh accent. Yeah, how you would imagine uh, Camilla Parker Bowles to... Apparently, she's really good buddies with Prince Harry, and, yes. and he comes over and plays Xbox at uh, Rose Leslie's house. So she's the only real posh one on the whole set. So they talked about uh, whether or not they changed any of the dialogue that is written by Jillian Fellows. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Stephen really knows how much more revered writers are in the UK, and especially writers with some sort of success behind them. Because I thought that was an interesting question. And of course, they were going to say, no, we don't change very much at all. Because it appears to me that Brits are a whole lot more by the, the script. And because there's one person who's written it rather than a committee, they, that actors would be less inclined to be want to be in on that committee and make changes. That Will Shakespeare, <laughs> we can change his words around. The Stephen you're talking about was the interviewer. Stephen was here. the interviewer, and I work with him at my gig there and have for over 10 years. So yes. know him well. As opposed to Dan Stevens, mm-hmm. the actor. So Stephen versus Stephen. Stephen Haig, yes. Dan Stevens did say there was one line that he thought was a little too flowery. And it was supposed to be like uh, something like, you know, being at Downton Abbey, I feel like Heinrich Schliemer finding the uh, layers of Troy. And he <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I'm not so sure about this. And the producer was like, say the line, say the line anyway. We're just... Trust me, no one will ever see this. And so he did deliver the line, then they did an alternative take, and he said, sure enough, it's sitting on a cutting room floor someplace. So, 
But on the whole, yes, they do follow Julian's scripts. And they said the script supervisor is very strict about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, say the words as they are. And you're right. Why change them? I mean, that's why you're there for. That's interesting, you know, because I, I, I do see that the writer is in more esteem over there. And they're probably much more inclined to just go by the scripts. And Woody Allen went over and made match point there. And he's famous for wanting people to say things entirely in their own words. You know, this is what you should convey during this scene, but say it. And I wonder how the Brits responded to that, if it was harder for them or if they... Oh, I'm sure they can improvise as well, too. I'm sure they could, too, but it would have been interesting. Less of an improvisational background so much as doing great theater and great plays. But I think it's the rare British actor who just goes, I can't see my character saying this. (laughs) Yeah. Because the director's response to that is, figure out a way to do it. Mm -hmm. That's your job. You're the actor. At least that's what they should say. And uh, finally, they were asked uh, what was their uh, favorite room at the location where they film in. And Dan Stevens said, well, his least favorite room is the dining room. Yeah. It's very stuffy. It takes about a day and a half to shoot a scene. And you end up with congealed pork, pork said, in front of you. You've got to pick at and pretend. No, no one's ever actually puts food in their mouth mm-hmm. when they're eating there. Michelle said that the library was her favorite scene, though, because all the really good stuff happens yes. there. I think we can reveal a spoiler. So I'm going to sound the spoiler warning here. Do not Do listen. Have to make up a song for it. <laughs> could, could play the uh, QI uh, Claxton, but you just okay. for now. Well, if you want to, do you want to come up with the a song? Claxton songs? No, I, I'm, I'm not. I'll think of one sometime. We've already made your listener feedback <laughs> song on classic here. Did you put it on it's iTunes. It's time for Ryan's spoiler. So cover your ears. It's good. And run from the room there well uh, just pull your earbuds up for the next 20 seconds while i reveal the spoiler and the spoiler is matthew will have a new girlfriend in series two that's what we uh saw this afternoon yeah. literally we got home and turned on the recorder and we did we have were done there this, about so. an hour ago and had a couple uh cookies and hunks of fruit and in the we skipped the bubbly though yes no champagne and took off Down Abbey is just wrapping production right now in the UK. It will be starting in the autumn on ITV, and it will be on PBS beginning on January 8th, 2012. Sherlock will be not soon after that. Yeah, May, they said. Yeah, May. Uh, Don't hold your breath, though, for Upstairs, Downstairs 2013 before that comes to America. That's right. They were... Sometime after is what she said. I was picturing I, that meaning June. <laughs> no. no. Well, she, <clears throat> yeah, it is 2013 for there. Boy, Martin Freeman, he's going to be an exhausted man by the end of doing two Hobbit movies back to back and then rushing back to the UK to do Sherlock. They're doing Sherlock right now, though. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I think they built, they built a break in oh, yeah. to the Hobbit because I've been following these uh, YouTube videos that Peter Jackson's been putting on there. And he basically, they did a production hold until the autumn. Everyone gets to go home yeah. and relax because he said, you know, just doing this straight on shooting for 200 days things is just nuts. So they've, you know, broken up into the blocks. Well, that, that's better because, you know, he's a daddy with two little kids. Maybe they, I think he has two children. I don't know if his family got to go with him to New Zealand or not, but I worry about those long, long hours. You've got to get something else in there besides work to stay creative. Well, maybe they come with them, or there's always Skype. 
But yes, he's in the UK right now filming Sherlock, which will be on our screens soon enough, or at least on the screens in Britain. It is kind of funny. I noticed on the Internet Movie Database, people were calling for Martin to play Bilbo in a future movie of The Hobbit and a good nine years ago. So there's people, I guess he was one of those born to play actor role sort of things. Oh. He has that hobbity look. I think in he a does. Good way. He's supposed to be really, really good, and we'll be definitely doing a feature on Martin Freeman probably when Sherlock comes out in the UK. So, well, on Twitter, uh, TV.com reported there's going to be another season of Little Crackers on Sky One this Christmas. Yay! And among the people who will be making these little shorts will be John Bishop, Alan Davis, and Jane Horrocks. I'll be doing their own. I quite enjoyed them. Watched them all with my mom one time, and we had a good time. I thought that was short filmmaking at its best. Mm -hmm. Just a little done-in-one, 12-minute story, and they're all mostly, almost nearly all of them were biographical, except for Bill Bailey's, really. Mm -hmm. Often they would feature themselves in there and then some younger person. I didn't know this until later, but the little girl who played the young Catherine Tate is really Catherine Tate's daughter. (laughs) So, Does she really have that enormous red-headed afro, though? I think that was a wig. (laughs) I do hope it was a wig. I think so. That was the most unattractive hairdo on that poor little thing. It was the 1970s. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at Brit TV Podcast. So in the news this week... The subscription international iPlayer for iPad was launched in 11 European countries last week by the BBC. Mark Smith, the global iPlayer launch director at BBC Worldwide, said, There is at least 1,500 hours of content there from day one, and it will be growing by at least 100 hours a month. Although, obviously, I have not seen it. Reading the press releases, it appears to be an archive of material rather than the catch-up service that the native iPlayer is for license fee paying Britons, which instead has all the BBC content immediately after its broadcast for a seven-day window. Apparently, there will be a lot of Doctor Who content on the international version. In fact, they intend to group it by categories, such as by Doctor or Dalek episodes. But BBC Worldwide is hoping it exposes viewers to new shows as well. Mark Smith explained, Most audiences know the big shows like Top Gear or Doctor Who, but maybe not so much about other shows, so we've been working hard on how we surface that content. In other words, getting folks to try something new. Good luck with that, Mark. At launch, 60% of the global iPlayer content has been produced and commissioned by the BBC, while 30% has been commissioned by the BBC but produced by independents. And the other 10% is entirely non-BBC content, including ITV's Primeval and Channel 4's The Naked Chef and Misfits. When it does go live in the U.S., which is expected for later this year, again, only as a subscription iPad app, the global iPlayer will sit alongside BBC Worldwide's existing distribution agreements with iTunes and Netflix, among others, rather than replacing them. Well... I'm pretty sure I'm not going to go buy an iPad this year. I mean, they're still three or four hundred dollars. Mm. My sister has one. She loves it. She just desperately wanted it and saved and got it. And she said it's her favorite toy ever. I have to admit, I was never totally jonesing for my iPhone. But then my wife said once, "Hey, we're getting iPhones." Now that I have it, I'm like, "Oh, how did I live without this thing? It is so great." I guess I like some of my toys. If I have my 
I had a DVR with a great big old hard drive before most people have. I've had that for years and my multi-format VCR and converter. But in terms like phones and um, MP3 players, I don't have any of those things. So I don't know. What should I get next? Should I get an iPhone as well? I'm, I'm due to upgrade my phone. I would search around and look at the different ones because there's also Android ones and Evos. Um, but a smartphone is great because the things you can do on it, you can check your email, you mm-hmm. can look at the traffic, the various apps that let you do cool and useful tools plus fun things, games and things like that. Okay. And, you know, the prices these days are probably a cheaper plan than what you're paying right now for your regular phone. Well, I'm grandfathered in on a really old plan of only 30 bucks a month, so... You probably can find an okay <laughs> plan for 30 bucks a month. Okay, well, I'll give it a sh- I might do it then. But we'll shop see. around, because yep. there's deals to be had. So, yeah, I'll have to uh, ask an iPad-holding friend of mine uh, what they think once the American one comes out. But again, the big question is, is you're going to see stuff day and day. You know, a new Doctor Who episode is shown in England. Will you be able to see it on the international iPlayer? We don't know. Do you actually watch any videos on your phone, or is that just too small? Uh, y- yes, you can watch YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. There's an app for that. And uh, in fact, I watched Matt Smith's appearance on Craig Ferguson last week while I was doing archery in the middle of a field. And I had my earbuds in, and I kept cackling, and people were kind of looking over at me, and I'm like, I'm watching Matt Smith. And I, <laughs> I flashed my phone at them. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Well, the Craig Ferguson on tonight or early this morning is going to be from when he was in France, and it will co-star Eddie Izzard, by the way. Little plug. I guess it'll be too late by the time the podcast is posted, won't it? <laughs> well, you can watch it on the CBS.com That's site because they'll have it on there. Yeah, he, they went and pre-filmed a bunch of uh, – mm-hmm. they did a whole week in France. And he I know was they... there – Eddie was there for seven weeks doing his shows in French because he's always said he would. He's gone back about every 10 years and tried again, but studied French more and more in the interim. And and uh, so he just did seven whole weeks and really trying to get French people to come because what he found early on was that the Brits would come over right. <laughs> and watch him to see him in a little theater because you don't get to do that in the UK anymore. You go to a stadium if you see an Eddie show over there. I assume he and Ferguson go back? Yes, I've really was charmed the first time he was on Ferguson's show because he he came on and they hugged and they sat down and then they just sort of paused and looked at each other and you could sort of see them almost thinking who'd have thought it 20 years ago <laughs> I've got a show you're famous too wow you know they go way 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 back yes well good well what's on tv for the week of August 3rd to the 9th Wednesday the great british weather concludes on bbc1 Beaver Falls continues on E4. Thursday, Torchwood Miracle Day has the episode Escape to L.A. on BBC One. Howl at Gwen's attempt to add in a deliberately naff American accent. That was quite funny. Yes, it was. Gee whiz, Willikers. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't quite get her slang right there, but she was trying. And they they point out the audience at the end. She goes, oh my God, that was terrible. I could never do that again. Uh, Sky One debuts a new comedy, Trolleyed, starring Jane Horrocks, Mark Eddy, and Jason Watkins from Being Human. It's set in Valco, a fictional supermarket in the northwest of England, and two episodes are being shown back-to-back. Uh, I like Jason Watkins. He's a RADA student, and those RADA actors can do anything, so I'm always interested to see him in new things. And, of course, love Jane Horrocks, so... She's also from Rada. Don't know about Mark Addy. He was a king in Game of Thrones. Ah, so he didn't make it to the end. We'll have to watch that. 
Town with Nicholas Crane is on BBC with a look at Scarborough. Single-Handed continues on ITV1. The Pranker continues on BBC3. Friday, Channel 4 has a half-hour documentary titled Superheroes of Suburbia that looks at real-life costume crime fighters (laughs) in Britain. Oh dear, are they being told please stop like our American crime fighters are by the cops? Like, stop doing that. I think there was a documentary on yes. HBO this week that was similar that, about American guy, because there's a guy yeah. here in Seattle that does that. My Family continues on BBC One. Eight Out of Ten Cats continues on Channel Four. Wall of Fame finishes its run on Sky One. Alan Carr Chetty Man has the last show of the season on Channel Four with guests... Justin Timberlake, Mila Kunis, and the cast of The Inbetweeners. I can't make my mother remember that these talk shows do come in seasons. They're not on all year round. Because she watches BBC America, and she always she liked Jonathan Ross when it was still on. She watches Graham, and she's always, Is the show over? They said it was the last one. Has it been canceled? No, it's coming back. It's, you know. Well, I can see that because he's from America. You say the last yeah, of the series. They right. think, oh, the series is canceled? No, no, no. That just means season. But she never remembers, and she's always just so certain that the show's never coming back and or why it's not on anymore. And I, I explain the whole fall and spring season, sort of. Yes. She'll get it someday. At least she's watching it. I'm proud of her for that. <laughs> the Rob Ryden Show on BBC Two has guests Brucey, that being Bruce Forsyth. He got knighted, right? I don't know. Sir Bruce? Yeah, I think so. My Favorite Joke continues on BBC One. Saturday, John Bishop's Britain is on BBC One. Ronnie Corbett's Comedy Britain debuts on ITV One Saturday in the first of a new two-part series as the comedy legend talks to the likes of Miranda Hart, Matt Lucas, David Mitchell, and John Cleese about how they began in the business. We've done features on three out of four of those people. (laughs) Sunday, Law & Order UK continues on ITV1. Sugartown concludes on BBC1. Monday, Hugh Friendly Weddingstall is back with Hugh's Fish Fight. The battle continues on Channel 4 as he presents an update on his campaign to change commercial fishing laws in a bid to reduce the amount of fish discarded in the seas. We did a feature on Hugh back in show 52. New Tricks is on BBC One. Show Me the Funny continues on ITV One. Channel 4 presents Jennifer Saunders laughing at the 90s, a two-hour romp through the story of 10 years that saw comedy finally arrive center stage. That be, do you think, just British comedy, or would they be talking about Friends and Seinfeld and those sort of things as well? That's a good question. I don't know. We'll have to watch and find out. You know, the our ones that did well over there. <laughs> Shooting Stars is back on BBC Two with Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer hosting a really wild, crazy celebrity quiz show for its eighth season. Is Matt Lucas back or is he still No, it's got Angelino Papado, I don't know that no. guy's name, mm-hmm. as the scorekeeper, but got Jack D and Ulrika Kakaka still as the head of the A and B teams. Well, that's Ulrika's sort of gig. She's got to do it, but always fun to see Jack D there, too. (laughs) Tuesday, The Hour continues on BBC Two. Angry Boys continues on BBC Three. In the United States this week on BBC America, Saturday is the final episode of Outcasts. How many out there managed to make it to the end? Seriously, 
I really want to know. Tell me. Not I. It's followed by The Graham Norton Show, Outnumbered, and Friday Night Dinner. Monday, another Top Gear rerun, followed by James May Drinks to Britain. On Stars, Torchwood, Miracle Day, continues on Friday. And Sunday, on most PBS stations, Masterpiece Mystery has repeats of Lewis with Kevin Waitley, and new episodes begin in September. DVD releases, Garrow's Law, Series 2, Andrew Buchan and Alan Armstrong are 18th century barristers in this BBC series based on real-life cases from the Old Bailey. I like it. I think it's really good. Andrew Buchan's character, Gary, he plays the title character Garrow, and mm-hmm. too-good-to-be-true kind of uh, barrister, but he sticks up for his guys. And It's a courtroom drama, but obviously a costume one. I found it really good. may not be for everybody, but I liked it. Pie in the Sky, Series 5. Richard Griffiths, better known as Uncle Dursley in the Harry Potter films, and of course memorably in Whitnell and I, stars in this BBC mystery series as a detective who runs a restaurant on the side. That sounds something like might have been early 90s than now. I I mean, I've saw the cover of the DVD and it looked hysterically low budget. Actually, let's look it up here because it's been around for, it's been a while since that was on. Mm. Because I mean, Samantha Janis was in it. Yeah, it started in 94. Okay. And this series is from 97. Okay. So yeah, it's 14 years old. Zen, the recent three-episode series about the Italian detective starring Rufus Sewell, about whom we did a feature in show 92, is out on DVD. And is available on Blu-ray, and alas, there will be no more. What a shame. Yeah. So, next week we will have a feature on Stephen Moyer Mm -hmm. from True Blood. And that'll be in show 96. Meanwhile, we'd like you to go to our website, www.britishtvpodcast.com, and there you can find links to headlines, show notes, what's on TV this week, and an archive of our previous 94 shows. And if you have any comments or suggestions, send it to feedback at britishtvpodcast.com, or you can go on our Facebook page and write a comment or something like that. I think a friend of the show, Howard, posted a link to the trailer for This Is Ginsey, which is going to have guest star David Tennant in it. So you might want to check that out. And you can follow us on Twitter at Brit TV Podcast. So that's all for this week. That's all. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And run from the room.